Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like those yummy Lifesavers gummy candies that I had the other night, which are delicious. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And with us today, we have another special guest co-host, another good movie buddy and good friend of the podcast, Jessica Gallagher. Jessica, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. A yeah. hungover from... How'd St. Patrick's Day St. treat St. Patrick's you? Day. It was really, really a good time. Yeah. Watching the Leprechaun. Classic. <laughs> which, Classic. Which we will not be doing <laughs> on the podcast today. Probably for the best. God, that movie's not good. Not good. Um, so let's talk about a slightly better movie uh, that we are we are here today. So our last uh, episode, we had my sister, you, your good friend, Leah, on, and we talked about Wrinkle of Time, and I kind of wanted to keep that theme going with sort of... I mean, girl power, women who kick ass. I mean, they did kind of two movies one after another that I thought it worked really well to have you as a guest on here. And we're here to talk about the new Tomb Raider film. Yes, we are. Uh, starring Alicia Vikander. Now, before we get into it, before we get into Tomb Raider itself, I wanted to talk about video game movies with you just a little bit. Because you play video games uh, regularly. Yes, I do. I would say more than regularly, but officially... We'll just say regularly. Okay. Regularly works. Now, did you ever play the Tomb Raider games? Um, I did not play the original ones, but I played the newer one that came out, I want to say, maybe about four and a half years ago. Okay. Um, when they made it more realistic? Yes. I liked them more when they were more realistic. More, um, It felt a lot more character-based. And um, ironically, I think the last one I played very much mirrored this movie. Probably. It, it reminded me, I remember a specific scene there was a scene that I was thinking, oh my God, I'm playing the video game again. That's yeah. really what it reminded me of. Funny enough, I've never played a single second of a Tomb Raider game. Really? Yeah, which I, I don't know why. Um, uh, the Tomb Raider games were always just, I mean, the same with the Uncharted games. They're always just playable Indiana Jones movie, like mm -hmm. video games. That's, mm -hmm. they're, they're Indiana Jones, but slightly different. Lara Croft is, she's Indiana Jones, but she has two guns instead of a whip. <laughs> and Nathan Drake is, he's... Indiana Jones, but more of a smartass. I, I don't know. Um, and so I didn't don't have any, like, uh, relationship, I guess is the right word, uh, with Laura Croft or the Tomb Raider movies. Mm -hmm. um, but but you obviously played video games as a ton. Do you remember the original Tomb Raider movies with Angelina Jolie? I do, and I will say, if I'm being completely honest, not my favorite. The original movies, they're good. yeah, they're really not, <laughs> and it's one of those things where I feel like it came out at a time. If I remember, kind of, if I'm remembering the timeline as well as I think I am, yeah, like 2001 ish. Yeah, I um, think it's two. I think it was 2000. Yeah, 2001. Yeah. Yeah. So about, summer. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking about that time. There were not a lot of. I was kind of coming off my big high from Fifth Element with Lilu Dallas being my okay. my main go-to girl, and that was a couple you know years prior. But okay. I remember being excited to see Tomb Raider, and I saw it in theaters with my um, my cousin Brandon, who was really into the games. Okay, and just thinking it was awful, and it's, just uh, I remember the accent was just terrible, uh -huh. and thinking, who let this come to theaters and nobody edited it or thought to get her a. An, you know, an accent Like coach. an actual English yeah. lady? Yeah, it was so bad. But I just remember it It had so much... It was the the summer movie that year. Yeah. You know, just that was her big moment. So I remember it was it had a big release, but not very good. It was... Um, 
Uh, so oddly enough, on one of my last trips that I was just on, I got the urge to download it on Netflix. It was Did one of the really? it was one of the downloadable movies <laughs> on Netflix. So I downloaded it and I watched it and holy shit. <laughs> it is like the last grasp of 90s right, nonsense. Yeah. Like the soundtrack is all like techno house music. Oh yeah, that's right. The the characters like there are no character development like Laura like who's Laura Croft? Like oh, she's a badass. Like that's it. Um, Daniel Craig's in that movie. Do you remember? No, Daniel and I was just it. the funny thing is I don't remember that. And I was thinking, wasn't John Boyd in it? Wasn't her dad in ja- it? Too? Yeah, her he dad plays is, her dad, right? Yeah. Wasn't that one of the big things that they kind of went for too? Was like, oh, Angelina Jolie oh, her and her dad. dad. Is playing her dad. Well, yeah, because they had a falling out, didn't they? They did. I Maybe think it was what? after this movie. It was okay. Well, um, I just remember it was like that was the big thing is you could see them together. Yeah, it was. It was. Not good. It's just not good. It's funny though. Like the first, the first one obviously has Angelina Jolie. It has Daniel Craig as like her roguish male. I didn't know that. Love interest, sort of. Um, and it has Ian Glenn, who plays Jorah on uh, Game of Thrones, uh, as the bad guy. And then the second one has Gerard Butler as her like guy squeeze. Wow. And the bad guy is played by Syrian Hines, who played um, the king of the, the wildlings in Game of Thrones. That's weird. So there's like all these kind of like, wow, there was a leading man who was the second fiddle and then a Game of Thrones actor who was the bad guy. So it's kind of weird. But those movies are not good. Yeah. Uh, they did make a decent amount of money. I think the first one made about $270 million worldwide, which is, you know, that's not bad. Um, but the second one didn't make hardly any money. Uh, it was oddly, and again, I mean, Laura Croft for the longest time was a sexual character. I mean, she was known for her big, right, big boobs, right? right. Like that was her defining factor was she stacked and wears short shorts. Yeah. And so that was like Jolie's thing. Like, there's a moment in the film where she's like semi nude, and I'm like, this is supposed to be like a like a young adult family adventure movie it was p was it pg-13 or pg it was definitely pg-13 it was okay with what with with what i was seeing um but that kind of goes into in general how there are just now let me ask you do you agree that there are no good video game movies no uh, no i i do think there are good video game movies i definitely don't think that that's a good example of one i mean there's (laughs) definitely but i will say that there's worse and i feel like the thing about Tomb Raider the original was even though it was a, based on a video game, at least it had high production value. Like even the actors you're True. naming off, they at least went and got, you know, good actors who obviously went on to do better things. So they did have talent. So right. at least they had the effort. When you look at like the Mario Brothers movies and especially Mortal Kombat. I mean, that's really the movie that right. we remember as kids. The first Mortal Kombat yeah. is awesome, and I'll exactly. fight anyone who I mean, disagrees. it's a terrible movie, but, no, but I love awesome. it. It is the best. The The example we use all the time when we talk about here on the podcast is, is I don't know if you've heard this, but we say, we don't care what your favorite movie is. It could be it could be Street Fighter, or it could be Saving Private Ryan. Get over it with yeah, uh, exactly. Ken Foster. Exactly. But we use Street Fighter as an example because I love Jean-Claude Van Damme's Street Fighter. Mm. It's a terrible movie, you do love but Jean-Claude. I love it. Um, and obviously, we're just when we talk about quote unquote good super, uh, video game movies, it's just opinion, you know. Yeah. But there are ways that you can track success, and you can yeah. typically track them with box office and with critical reception. Or and also, I would think public, you know, right. th- the Mortal Kombat movies have just become like a darling, you know. I mean, yeah, and even like you a look, cult favorite. Exactly, and you look at the movie. You know, I recently watched Spawn actually, which I, I know is a comic book, but. 
at that time period, I feel like 90s was very much searching for comic books and video games. I feel like we're right. the more audience that they were going for. So I think most video game movies were mostly in the 90s, which at that time, movie production was not great. No. So I think Laura Craft, Croft, I pronounce it wrong. Laura Croft. Laura, Laura Croft. Yeah. She was definitely kind of the first big budget. For sure. That I remember. A huge, a huge, I mean, I would say it's about half and half in when you start seeing like the first video game movies. But then again, in, in like the t- early 2000s is when we started seeing movies change, where we started yeah. seeing franchises change, you know, uh, they really worked in a different way. So let me ask you, if you had to throw a guess out here, um, and I'm kind of cheating because I have the list of, of, of video game movies up there. But do you know, and there's no, I'd be shocked if you knew, off the top of your head, give me what you think are the three most successful video game movies, like box office. I would definitely say Resident Evil. Okay. That's probably, and it's funny, because I think that came out not long after the original Tomb Raider. Um, yeah, like and that's, 2003. Yeah, and that's when they kind of started taking it more seriously, I feel like, after Tomb Raider. So I would say Tomb Raider, I mean, sorry, Resident Evil would be my first one. Ooh. I know, right? I, I want to say Tomb Raider's got to be in the top three just because okay. of the production value of it and the amount of money that it made. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the next one. Mario Brothers? No. <laughs> definitely not. So I'll give you I, the I'm top. To... I'll give you the top three. Uh, you were sort of right. So Tomb Raider is actually like fourth on the list. Mm. So Laura Croft Tomb Raider back in 2001, it made 270 million dollars. The top worldwide box office video game earner was Warcraft. Oh, I didn't even see that one. Yeah, because it that didn't make any money radar. here. Yeah. It made all of its money in Asia. Oh, okay. It made $433 million. Mm. The second highest was Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, <laughs> starring Jake Gyllenhaal. I didn't even know that. I didn't realize that was a video game. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, it cast a bunch of white people as Persians. Yeah, I, I think that that might have caused a little bit of a racial yeah. tension between us. and. It'd be even worse if it happened today. Yeah. Uh, but that movie made $336 million worldwide. And Jeez. you were right, Resident Evil, the final chapter, so the most recent one, made $312 million worldwide. Wow. So, and again, compared to like the, the gigantic movies that are coming out, like, I mean, obviously the Marvel movies or anything Disney puts out or even fucking Jumanji, which <laughs> made a billion dollars worldwide, like this is small potatoes. That's true, yeah. Um, and critical reaction is the same thing. Uh, what do you think? And and it's hard because I can't pull up the list without you without you cheating. I won't look. Um, actually, no, I can I can do this in a way that that you won't cheat. I won't look. Uh, here, I'll give you this list and I'll just reduce it. There we go. Okay, right there. <laughs> so so if you could just take a look at this list here and I'll scroll through it. What do you think are the highest reviewed and again we're not talking about audience here because that one's a little harder Mm. to gauge but what do you think are some of the highest reviewed ones i can tell you right now that house of the dead is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life (laughs) so i can tell you that that is not on this list yes the best reviewed i'm gonna say i think silent hill received decent reviews okay the original resident evil i think did as well I'm being very kind with uh, Resident Evil. You today, are. Apparently. Well, there's, I mean, that is arguably the most successful video game yeah, franchise. Yeah, I, I think so. There's like eight it, of them. I was just going to say, there's at least six of them that I yeah. know. But these other ones, you know, we're looking at Postal, Hitman. I mean, those. Wing Commander with yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, those movies did not review well. No. Um, I'm thinking even Blood Rain. I, I don't, 
I don't remember that being no, Max too well Payne, loved. Like none of these are good. I so think, I think Warcraft was reviewed decently, if I remember. It was reviewed I, decently, I, but according I, to Rotten Tomatoes, and again, subjective. We, 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 can't use too much. Literally, the newest Tomb Raider that came out is the best reviewed <laughs> yeah. video game movie ever. <laughs> uh, Prince of Persia is the second, and oh, I should I should go back. Tomb Raider has a fifty percent at Rotten Tomatoes, so it is still considered "quote unquote" rotten. Yeah. Although David and I have a love hate relationship with Rotten Tomatoes, fifty mm. percent um, for Tomb Raider. Prince of Persia thirty six percent, and Resident Evil: The Final Chapter thirty five percent. And then you have, like, Mortal Kombat, the original Resident Evil. Silent Hill was at 30. Warcraft was at 28. I was going to say, I at least knew those ones were at least in the 20 to 30s. We're looking at Hitman. I mean, you're then you're looking at, like, 10%, 15%, right? Where yeah. it's, like, those movies were just trashed. And I think that... All of them. Yeah. I, I Let's just... I feel like it's pretty clear that critics do not like um, movies from video games. I no. think that they... I mean... And I don't know if that says something more about the movies or just Rotten Tomatoes. And well, that leads me to the to the next question, which is: Do you think is is it enough to make a decent video game movie? Because, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. I consider this new Tomb Raider to be a decent video game movie. I thought it was a decent action. Mm-hmm. It certainly has some faults, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, I had a reasonable amount of fun with it. I think if you, my honest opinion, I think on video game movies, the reason that they're kind of probably hitting a wall is when you play a video game, there's only so much you can really do in an archetype in a video game world because you're playing it in a world where you're kind of telling the story as the main character. So translating that to the medium of film in a, you know, a screenplay, you probably get these guys who are writing the screenplays or girls who are fans of the video game, obviously. So they're probably coming about it from a sense of how they played the game how they viewed the character, just the archetype being very much sure. redundant sure. from you know other video game movies. So I think you know, especially with something like Resident Evil, you know, after you see the first two, you're like, I, I get it. Like, I they get what they're going to do. Yeah, run together. Exactly. For me. Like, you, I mean, I can't really tell you the difference between the first three Resident Evil movies that I saw. Apocalypse, Extinction, yeah, Afterlife. I don't know. exactly. And I even Silent Hill. I mean. It, they just they have a hard time really finding an they, a storyline. Sure. Because I think that when I when you pull the material from a video game, it's not the same thing as you know storytelling as you see it on paper. With, sure. I think it's easier on comic books because it's already on paper. Where it's where you're playing a game, you're you're experiencing it, and part of your love comes from experiencing the game. Sure. Not necessarily. Oh, I love the storyline. You know, it's it's the it's the fun of playing the game itself. Right. So I think that. You know, people love these games, but they just don't translate that well. They really don't. They really don't. Now, that being said, and as you've said, you know, Mortal Kombat's a lot of fun. Street Fighter's a lot of fun. Hell, I even like Need for Speed, which I'm not, like, super ready to admit, but I enjoy (laughs) it. Um, I think that it's going to have to take a general – it's going to have to take a general approach from a single video game company similar Mm -hmm. to how – and I know you're not a big fan of Marvel movies, but so we won't get into that today. (laughs) Um, But, you know – in the late 90s, early 2000s, they made a bunch of shitty superhero movies. They did. And it took... And they're still making them. They're still making <laughs> shitty superhero movies. Um, different versions or d- different ones. We won't mm-hmm. pick out any specifics. But but they they got better in quality. They got better mm-hmm. in storytelling and in casting and right. in the talent involved. And I think it's going to ultimately take like somebody like a Rockstar Games or a Capcom mm-hmm. to or a Square Enix or Christopher in this case, Nolan to like... 
be to be controlling of who controls who who makes these films. Mm-hmm. Um, very much like saying. Marvel ultimately did. I see what you're saying. So like a a major entity to start taking them on. I like the variety though. I mean, and For I sure. and I like the idea of getting kind of different types where we can do a lot of these are horror shooter games, which yeah. I realize when I'm looking at these, I'm thinking, well, they've picked from the same, you know, uh-huh. same group of games. But I think at least if they start making better quality movies, because a lot of these you go back, a lot of these are from, you know. A time from, you know. The mid-2000s. Yeah, they, they've gotten way better at quality of movies nowadays. I mean, the Assassin's Creed movie, I mean, there was no excuse for that. No, but. there's no excuse for that, but at least it looked good. True. You know? The production quality, yeah, because a lot of these you go back and you look at them and they, they look really old right. and outdated. So right. I think if they, I don't necessarily think they need to be under one umbrella of a company, production company, mm-hmm. but I think if they get a, a Christopher Nolan type writer creator like somebody who gives a somebody shit. who cares right. and knows how to make a film can take these characters you know take a game take a character that's beloved make it their own storyline but right. staying true a little bit to the game but i think that video games just they just don't translate to the the basic stories that they keep trying to tell us in these movies but. that's a really good point i think uh and this will be the kind of the last thing that we'll talk about with this but I, I genuinely don't think I could name the director of any of these movies. Right. They get a lot of, you know, people that... That's crazy. John DeBont directed the second Tomb Raider, the director of Speed. <laughs> and Speed 2, Cruise Control. I was going to say, I think um, Speed might have been his best. Speed is his best. Yeah. Simon Which West not... is an acting, action director. He directed, like, Con Air. But, like, there's no visionary. Yeah. There's no someone needs to elevate the material like Chris, when yeah. Batman when the Batman yeah, Begins the video game movies comes out exactly. then we'll know then we we'll can kind of see I think it'll inspire other people to but, start but we're not there yet yeah so that brings us to Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider. Uh, 2018 Tomb Raider now we say we're not there yet but I feel like we're getting closer um, this is the yeah. origin of Laura Croft they're they're approaching it a little bit differently in this one where unlike the original Angelina Jolie movie she's not the badass adventurer. No, she well there's character development from the beginning. Right. Which you didn't see at all in the first one. No, she literally starts <laughs> with her guns fighting a right. giant robot in the first one. Exactly. Movie. In this movie, she's rejecting her her fortune. She doesn't want to th- believe her dad is dead, so she's rejecting his will and just and she's like a bike messenger. She's living mm-hmm. like a, a the the lowly life of a delivery person. Also, can we just say respect? Respect. I mean, the fact that she, you know, I, I think one of the opening scenes, you know, about the money was kind of an interesting take on her character, right. a, an insight to somebody who could live lavishly, but Chooses choosing not to, to not to, which I think character development, again, very, right. very kind of small, but matters because in the bigger picture, it, it, it tells you more about her. Exactly. Exactly. Very much so. So there is that character development. And obviously the cast itself, the cast itself has three really strong it's in my opinion, there are three really strong characters in this film, and that's it. Um, there's not really any character motivation or character depth beyond Laura Croft, Richard Croft, and the bad guy who's Walton Walton Goggins, whose name I don't remember. What is it? Matthias Vogel. I don't <laughs> classic, remember that name. I remember name. Walton Goggins. Right. Um, those three characters have really interesting character development. Um, or and maybe it's not even really interesting. Maybe it's just it's character death. Mm-hmm. Like I really, I really enjoyed the bad guy because he's motivated by getting back to his family. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very understandable motivation. 
Yeah. Um, that you don't true. typically see in a bad guy. And Laura Croft, as we already talked about, she goes through this entire journey. And we'll get into spoilers in a little bit. All the discussion that we're talking about right now is is general non-spoiler stuff. Mm-hmm. But Laura Croft goes through this journey from where she is at the beginning to to the middle to when she becomes the, the quote-unquote Tomb Raider mm-hmm. uh, to the end that I really enjoyed. Um, and her father doesn't really have an arc per se, but he's played by Dominic West, who is McNulty on The Wire. And that <laughs> is all I care about. I think he had a good archetype, though. I mean, I think he, and this again goes back to casting, I think, is just they cast people who are, are you know, good at their craft. Right. And I think that even even if, you know, on paper, the father character did not necessarily have a huge like storyline. Right. Right. He was just so well portrayed that he mattered to mm-hmm. you, even if he didn't have, you know, as much screen time, even and though he was, was a background point. character. Yeah. The point was that he mattered. Right, exactly. He mattered to Laura, so he needs to matter to the audience. Exactly. And I, I think he did only because of that portrayal. And I think that that guy, I love him as an actor anyway. So. Yeah, Dominic West is great. Yeah. Now, I do think the movie took a little bit of a while to get going, despite the fact that there are a few action sequences. Like, there's the bike chase at the beginning, which is really great. Mm-hmm. There's the um, there's the scene where she is with the, the, the chasing through the boats in Asia. Uh, and then I think the movie really gets going when it gets that plane sequence that you see in the in the trailer so much. So it's not a spoiler to talk about like, oh, she's on this rickety plane on the edge of a waterfall. Oh, I wasn't even going to say back to when she's on the boat getting to the island. Okay. You the, know, and that the, storm. I, I feel like that's when the movie really changed. Yeah. Well, you know, because it then just, it's we're, we're on the adventure. Yeah, we're on it. It takes a little bit while. I thought it took a little bit of a while getting up to it, building up to it. I think it was a happy medium. You know, it's it's didn't start off with her with two guns fighting a, a robot. Thank God. God. You know, just so, all in right away. Exactly, were. exactly. So I think they did a happy medium where they maybe they saw that and they're like, hey, let's let's at least slow the film down a little bit. Sure. So I can appreciate that they they didn't kind of you know, I I wasn't having explosions in my face immediately. Sure. I wasn't you know, over the top. So I, although I know you think it started slow, I I thought it's I thought it did a good warm up i certainly see the purpose of it like Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i I see the purpose of building up to the adventure uh and i totally understand that um how did you feel about alicia vikander as laura croft i love her academy award winner i love her i mean it's so funny is that they took that character like how we talked about before of just you know the stereotype of laura was very you know a very voluptuous woman she was just she had a pixelated cleavage i don't right. even know why like but like a little over the top i'm a boy i'm a i'm a boy who grew up in the 90s and in the 2000s right. when i never played tomb raider i have yet to understand why people thought the original laura croft was some amazing thing like it's literally mm. triangles I, but, well yeah i think it's just what your imagination lets you <laughs> go away with i guess so i think she's just she's great i think that they they actually took it to a place of saying hey let's find somebody who's really talented mm-hmm. who's you know, really there to kind of showcase her skills more as an actress. Uh-huh. And I love that they really made her frame. She's a very petite She's girl. She's built, though. Very built, but very petite. And right. I think that when I saw her, I was like, wow, this is more relatable to, a, you know, a female form than at least Angelina Jolie, sure. the way well, that I felt yeah. about that. 
But so she, I, I loved her. I thought she was great. I'm so happy they casted a girl who doesn't. Who's English. Yeah, who's English. <laughs> but like, like she looks in like a, a girl. She's in a tank top for most of the movie, but it's never in a sexualized thing. If anything, yeah. like she got in shape for this film. Oh, like yeah. Her back is fucking ripped. Yeah. And she's, she's, there are a few sequences in the film that reminded me very much of the video game, like during the, the boat sequence mm -hmm. where she jumps on the thing to climb yeah. over. I was like, that shit's in the video game. Yeah. I played that it in is. like yeah, Uncharted yeah. before. Yeah. Um, and she's great. She brings her all to this movie. And I really like that they beat the shit out of her. They did. And I don't like it that she got the shit kicked out of no, her, but, but I like that she should because she's, she's tough. That's the point. She yeah, can take they, it. they should kick the shit out, just like they would any you know male In, character. Indiana Jones. Exactly. Yeah. They they treated her exactly as a an archetype of the hero. She's the hero of the film, and she didn't just use a stunt double. You could tell she worked she did her a ass lot off. Of her own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She looks like a badass, and she deserves you know. Now that body she worked for. Yeah, she does. Now, <laughs> now beyond those three main characters, like everyone else. There's not much else going on. It's not. But they were supportive in a way that it was solid. You know, there was sure. nobody in the film that you're looking and going, why are you in this movie? Right. You know, there was nobody who was obnoxious. Her, Asi her Asian buddy sidekick. Any, uh, it, no Ren. stereotypes. He's He was motivated yeah. by his father. Exactly. Um, but I wish, like, if I had to nitpick, and again, you know, that's, that's what we do. We have the benefit of being able to nitpick. Mm -hmm. I wish there was some more... Um, fleshed out like a uh, henchman like i love a good henchman in these <laughs> types of, in these types of movies the the villains get to be over the top um and i think laura croft uh, this movie has two things mm -hmm. going against it number one um walton goggins is amazing and it kind of feels like he's very muted it works but it just feels like he is very calm the entire film i like that though it, it works. was it was this it had this psychopath vibe to it and i will say i mean without a spoiler in a way he you know maybe he's he could be considered a henchman that's a great point you a know? fine point a very <laughs> yeah. fine point actually yes we'll talk about that during spoilers yeah. um but uh the other thing is that like outside of the three characters mm -hmm. there's just there's isn't a lot of characterization going on um but once the action picks up mm -hmm. I was in. I'm, I really liked a lot of the action sequences they did, uh, especially once they got to the actual fucking tomb. Right, I'm yeah. I'm into all of that. Yeah. Uh, very Indiana Jones. Very, very Indiana on the edge of your seat. You know, I think when we left that movie with our friend Sung Wook, she she looked over at me and just said, that movie was very stressful. And I was like, <laughs> then it did its job as an action film. Yes. That's what it's supposed to do. And that's, well, that brings up the other point that I had, that that all of these games are at a disadvantage with, with the Uncharted games, or, or if they try to adapt them. Right. Because um, they're all aping Indiana Jones. Right, right, Which right, is right. funny, because Indiana Jones was aping the serials before it. But the one thing that Indiana Jones has, or had, mm -hmm. uh is Nazis. <laughs> like, I just feel that I don't, I don't care as much about, like, Trinity, this villain organization. I'm just, right. I'm like, Right, okay. I get what you're saying. You Everybody know? hates the Nazis, so it's an easy, it's... They're an easy villain, or Russians now, I guess. Right. Um, so with Trinity, I was just kind of like, oh, it's another secret society. So, well, what can you do? I, I think, though, at least in my opinion, they kind of built that to at least explore that maybe later on, too, True. where it can develop into. Because, I mean, the, the same can be said for the initial, like, Iron Man. Well, I'm 
going back to Marvel <laughs> movies. Just it's hard but not basis, to with franchise yeah, films. It is, but I just I think with movies with just you know the first one, you know the first of a franchise movie right. is when you start to know that there's the bad guy, and then then it'll kind of explore it later how bad they are, what they do, what they're really standing for. So right. I get what you're saying, Nazis. We hate them. Quick bad so guys. Much easier we all to hate them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like, uh, like I would give this. So before we get into spoilers, we always do a rating of the film. Are you familiar with the popcorn diet rating system? If not, we can bring it up to the listeners because we get we're getting new listeners all the time now. So the popcorn diet rating system is one to five popcorns. Okay, mm-hmm. five popcorns is perfect popcorn. It's okay. it's a great movie. You should go out and see it immediately. Okay. Four popcorns is movie theater popcorn. Means, yeah, you should go see it in the theaters. Maybe not right away, but you should see it in theaters. Okay. Three popcorns is microwave popcorn. Means that you should probably just wait. You, you can wait to rent it. You know, buy mm-hmm. it, whatever, digital download, and it's it's fine, but it's not great. Two popcorns is stale popcorn, <laughs> which is like don't. Like, wait for Netflix or Prime. Like, you okay. don't spend money on it. And then number one is burnt popcorn. Don't eat it. Don't bother. Don't like, even eat it. really don't bother. So, with all of that being said, how many popcorns would you give 2018's Tomb Raider? This might surprise you, but I would give this a four. Okay. I... A movie theater popcorn. A, yeah. And okay. I, this is coming from somebody who doesn't like action films that much. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't really enjoy comic book movies at all. So I think that it's kind of surprising, but I would give this a four. Okay. I'm right about there. I'm between three and four. I'm like a four minus. Okay. Like it's it's a movie to where if you went to go see it in the dollar theater, you're getting value. Um, if you mm-hmm. waited to like its third or fourth week, like, yeah, you should probably go check this out in the theaters. But it's not anything that like you're going to, your life will be worse for missing it. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I guess the argument can be made for any movie, but I like that to see it now. I think, though, that this movie plays a bigger role, and this might just be for coming from my perspective, but uh-huh. I feel like it plays a bigger role in just the social, you know, wake we're in right now. Sure. And I think that that's why seeing it kind of more, you know, within this time frame is going to be more beneficial than waiting. Absolutely. You know, just because of everything that's going on in Hollywood right now, too, with female actresses. So I think that... Just this is a good time to go see a movie with a a woman who's completely yeah lead. who's yeah. completely in control. Um, who's not here for a love interest? Right. You know how much I love that. There was no love interest in this movie. Yeah, I, I know. loved it. Like her only relationship is, and I've read some reviews, and I'm in, I'm actually interested about this. We'll talk about it in spoilers more. But I've read some reviews that you know kind of chastise her um, at her relationship with her father. And to me, I don't think that that's. That's not on the same level as, like, a woman who needs a love mm. interest to take care of her no. or something like that. Well, because, I mean, it's the idea that we're all kind of, you know, our parents raise us. Right. They are, you know, I mean, look at Bruce Wayne. Right. He's he's defined by his parents. Right. Even, they, even though they Kent. were not there, they, you know, defined who he became. So I think absolutely that her father is just her, you know, drive. Who, yeah. who helps w- define Just like her. with any character, so. And I think you're right that, that uh, especially with... You know, I mean, we just had International Women's Day not too long ago. This, like, as we this talked about at the beginning. Yeah, this is the time to go see these kind of movies. Well, if this is what you want to see more of, if you want yeah. to see more of these films that have 
Female buy, leads who kick ass. Buy the ass, tickets. Buy the tickets. You gotta you gotta put in the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this movie, this movie actually opened really well. Um, it opened not here in the U.S. It opened about twenty three million U.S., which isn't gigantic, mm-hmm. but it opened to a hundred million worldwide. Oh, wow, so nice. it's gonna make good money good. worldwide, I think. Um, but we'll see. So with all of that being said. Mm-hmm. Now we get to talk about spoiler stuff for a little bit, which means we just get Good. to talk about the movie in general. So if you want, don't want to be spoiled about Tomb Raider, turn it off now. Thanks for listening. But this is where we kind of get into some of like our favorite stuff from the film. So this kind of goes into like my favorite scenes of the film. Like the reason that I felt the reason that I felt that the film switched when the plane sequence happened is because everything else was still she still wasn't in control. You know, she was, if, you know, she was moving, she was, I'm on a quest, yeah. but she was always out of her own control. Like, she was being controlled by the storm. She was in the capture of Matthias for a little bit. And when mm-hmm. she decided to run, I'm in control now, right? Yeah, I always got the sense of that she was never really, at least in these kind of movies, because right. you feel like the elements around them are really always controlling them. You know, sure. even especially at the end when the when the building's crashing down and she's got to figure out a way to, the ladder's gone. Yeah. So I feel like she's always, you know, at the mercy of the elements. And that's not just her, that's, you know, in Indiana that's, Jones. Yeah. He's, he's always at the mercy of the elements around him. So I feel like she's never specifically in control of her situation, but I think... For me, at least, my favorite shift in the movie was at the start when she's, you know, on the boat in Thailand and uh-huh. or uh, Cambodia. Is it Thailand? Cambodia? I forget where she is. I forget. So when she's there and, you know, those guys. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. I was way up. So <laughs> she's, you know, they approach her with a knife and, you know, she doesn't even think to fight. And I'm sitting there right. thinking, it's just a knife. It's three. Like, what are you doing? I, I know her as the badass, you know, the character that we know of Laura Croft. So. When she ran away, I was thinking, what is this gonna, you know, movie's gonna be like? And right. then I think by the time she gets on the, the ship, she sails there, the rocky start. And then by the time she's fighting people, you know, I think one of the biggest, when she kills that guy in the water, you can see all that emotion in her face. I love that. Part. I love it. It's such a good character moment because you see that her innocence is gone. Yeah, she's, she's no longer take a scared. Life. Yeah, she's no longer probably scared to die. And I think that it's that character development changed so well it was kind of rapid but it was just so well done mm-hmm. and it clicked really well so i my favorite kind of character moment more so is when ironically when she killed somebody for the first yeah. time which well, that's is very badass but became it felt like that's when she became laura croft laura croft right like, yeah and I'm, the, I'm gonna have to fight yeah. for my life no more running from kids with knives no. you know it just it switched so i think that at least for me that's really when her character flipped. And I think that I, agree. I, I think that it did a good slow build though, because we needed to see that that moment. And sure. I and I love again that it kind of came about as her, you know, of course, versus a man, which that scene is very hand to hand combat. Yeah. But at the end of the day, she won and not necessarily with pure strength alone. No, but just skill. Her, exactly. Just her she's very cunning. She's very smart. I love that they made her very smart. And they and they foreshadow that at the beginning because at the beginning she's doing Crafty. MMA and she gets choked out. Right. And in that fight, he puts her in the same headlock, same choke, yep. same chin lock, and she gets out of it and ends mm-hmm. up choking him out and like exactly. drowning him in a, in a, in a shallow puddle, <laughs> um, which is a, a fucking terrible way to go. Um, I also mm-hmm. really liked once they got to the temple, once they got to the tomb. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say... Uh, with the exception of the 
um, floor falling out, which I thought was the best sequence in the whole film. Oh, yeah. God, um, that was... There wasn't a lot of explanation as to, like, why this why this puzzle had to be solved. So, like, the thing I always liked about Indiana Jones was that they explained stuff. Like, with The Last Crusade, they explained the puzzles. They explained the traps. Right. And this one, when they reveal that big door, she right. just starts turning the locks well, I got the sense when they entered and the spikes came out and they realized, they said, this isn't to keep people right. out, it's to keep people in. Right. So I think that those that kind of explanation was that they're working through these puzzles backwards, where they're, they're solving them to get in, but really they were designed to keep people, you know, from coming from out. From coming out, from the infected yeah, from coming out. exactly. So I think that that's probably where it came from as more of a place of the, it was to keep all those people that were already infected from coming out. Sure. So. I guess that would be the explanation for sure. what they were solving him for and how to get into the tomb. Okay. At least that was my understanding. I loved and and again, I don't want to pick apart like the logic of the film cuz it's a, <laughs> it's a fucking video game film. Like it's right, not yeah. the most logical it's thing. Just, in it's just it's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. Um they were ta- I thought <laughs> <laughs> So my whole thing is um Obviously, this is her first moment as the Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. but I kept joking in my own head, like, these people are terrible at Tomb Raiding because they're not watching where they step. They trigger every yeah, fucking trap. They were really bad. They they triggered the spikes. They triggered the room with the floor, which, again, I, that felt like the most video game sequence of the entire film. That felt like a video game trap yeah. where she had to get the right color crystal mm-hmm. in there. That um, was stressful, by the way. It was very stressful. Because I feel like it was stressful mostly because they gave her every single color. Yes. And it still didn't work. Yes. And then it was figuring out the two together. And yes. you're like, oh my, like, just. And that worked out great because it was it explained. It was a puzzle that the answer was explained. It was super intense. Yeah. It just felt like something that I would have done in the video game. Yeah. I think my favorite video game moment was when she was, because uh, it did remind me, the last video game I played was a sequence where a plane crashed and she's kind of floating down a river. Okay. And she's got to kind of grab the branches and she's got to kind of, you kind of like waddle through the, you know, the um, water and the rocks. And it reminded me of when she was jumped in the water and she was going down and she was trying to get out just before she got to the plane. Okay. And I feel like it was a play on that where then she gets into the plane where I th- in the game the c- it crashed in the water and she was kind of getting out. Right. So it was one of those things where I kind of got the sense of um, that was a, that was kind of lifted from the game when she's in the actual airplane and trying to get to safety. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of whole moment of just like trying to rest and relax and then it's another stressful situation so that they really felt like video yeah, game sequences that re- yeah that reminded me of a video game yeah. when you kind of are stuck in that kind of you know you can't just kind of sit around and relax right right where yeah i it, well i play obviously i play the uncharted games i don't which are i have to assume pretty much like the tomb raider games with just a few exceptions so that's that's what i'm using to, to gauge it but there's mm-hmm. a sequence in the uncharted games where uh drake is hanging from a, a train that's mm. falling off of a mountain and mm-hmm. that's what that plane sequence felt like oh yeah um okay yeah speaking of uncharted uh how did you like the end or uh, reveal of the disease you into I, that? I did. I, I honestly, I really enjoyed this movie. And again, I think you kind of worded it well. It's, it's a fun movie. You know, I'm not, we don't really need to kind of go into the details of, I'm sure bacteria probably couldn't live. And, you know, <laughs> keeping it, you know, probably sure. contained that well probably wasn't the smartest idea because it just probably kept it alive sure. instead of maybe oxidizing. But anyway, so it was fun. And I feel like when they got to the end, I, I like that they set it up as this evil mythical character. And part right. of me didn't know if it was going to be an evil ghost that popped out. Okay. 
you know, because with video games, you don't really know. No. Some can be logical. Some can be, you know, supernatural. So when she showed up and it was an actual person in a coffin, and then as she kind of deducts the reasoning, figuring out that it was somebody who sacrificed himself. I mean, there was a little bit of a flashback. I think they were talking about her father. Like, or I forget how it was a flashback to something that I feel like explained it and it didn't need to do that. I feel right. like that was something for American audiences where I feel like they didn't really need to kind of do the like, oh, she sacrificed herself for everybody. It's sure. like I could, you could figure that out sure. by understanding that, you know, the woman was entombed because of having the disease and that she was immune to it. Mm-hmm. But I think that it was it was a cool twist. I mean, it wasn't super mind-blowing. No, I think... it's actually pulled from the Uncharted series. Oh, okay. So well. the first Uncharted film is all or on film. The first Uncharted video game is all about them going to find quote unquote El Dorado. Mm. And it's the main bad guy and his henchmen, and they find like this gigantic golden sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. And the henchman tells the main bad guy, like, you should open it up. The treasures are inside. And in reality, it's hiding a disease that is almost oh. exact. So, And so it is literally the almost the exact same thing. And then the guy, the henchman, tricks the main bad guy to die so that the henchman can sell it off to the highest bidder. So that part's a little bit different because in this case, okay. it's just Trinity looking for this, Interesting. this well, disease. And I'm sure that when they made this film... They know their target audience. Sure. You know, they know people that are playing the same games. Yeah. are probably going to go see this. So for sure, that's interesting. I, I did think it was a an interesting storyline. So yeah, I just, and well I like the final fight at the end with Goggins too, where she's running at like that's where it felt like this is fucking Tomb Raider. Where <laughs> she says goodbye to her dad and then wow. she just sprints. And she's just sprinting down the hall yeah. towards Goggins and then jumps and grabs the ladder. That was cool. I was like, oh, shit. And then kicks the ladder off. Yeah. I'm into it. Uh, I, me too, yeah. Like the ultimate sacrifice of she would, you know, what'd she say? Like, I made a promise. Yeah, you're not I getting out of say, here. I will say, yeah. Did you feel like when when the dad was touching that zombie and then uh-huh. he wrapped the belt around his arm? I thought he was going to cut his arm off and live. I Did you think that's, I was the only one who was. Thinking that that was going to happen? I knew. So I thought he was either going to do that or once I saw that he wasn't going to do that, I realized he did it to slow the progress of the disease. Okay. Well, uh, but that's me, what I was first thinking. Like, cut like, his oh, arm off. Cut his hand off. Okay, then good. I, I thought I was the only one thinking that. And then I, I kind of, when, I, when he didn't, I kind of thought, why didn't you why do didn't that? Why did you cut your hand off? Did he, I, maybe he didn't have a machete. I don't know. Well, they had that. Maybe it was they just the pickaxe. They had the pickaxes. They had some stuff, great. yeah. Like when she like hits that guy in the shoulder, that the, just looked yeah. like it hurt. You know what I liked? I think I liked too about this the fighting sequences. At least for me, I'm not a. I you know how much I love kung fu movies sure. and fight movies. I feel like the fighting in this movie was very toned down to a point where it wasn't excessive. No, it wasn't a lot of. It wasn't too much of anything. They had action sequences, but not too many right. fighting sequences. Not too many. And it wasn't over choreographed. Yeah. Like it's literally just we're gonna brawl and we're yeah. slightly we're slightly better, more um more well trained than the average person, but we're not yeah. judo experts. Exactly. There's something about this movie that made it feel very much of like an introduction to a franchise. Mission you accomplished. Know, you know what I mean? It yeah. Just it felt like they were not trying to over. You know, just it reminded me of Batman Begins because I think when a Batman Begins first came out, it didn't do that well either in terms of it wasn't as popular. No, no one knew as it what became, was happening. Right, but the second one was so much popular because I feel like the first one did such a good job of setting up what he was going to become. Right. The first one obviously he wasn't anything what he ended up to be, but right. 
and not say, not comparing this movie at all to no, the Batman like, franchise. No, it needs but, to be said that but, this is yeah, not on the level. Exactly. If anything, this movie does remind me more of comic book movies than it does. Sure. Than it does for um, game gaming movies. Sure, Just, because they set up yeah this villains organization at the end, which leads to your comment yeah. about Walt Walton Goggins essentially being yes. another henchman. Exactly. And that Trinity is a, a, a sub-company in Croft's mm-hmm. company. And that Kristen Scott Thomas, who was sort of like her mentor slash mother figure, yes. I guess, is like, oh, shit. Yeah. Very she's Iron Man, pulling, right? She's pulling the strings. Yeah. I like that because I like the idea. And again, going back to this whole, you know, um, powerful women in, in, in more popular roles, I love the idea of her big bad, like her Blofeld mm-hmm. uh, being a woman You're and right, having yeah. all of her henchmen being dudes. Yes. And how much more sinister is it because of the fact that she's at home with Laura growing up. Right. Knowing full well that she's keeping her father away from her. Yeah. You know, while, you know, she knows he's on the island being held, you know, held hostage, possibly dead. Uh-huh. But how evil do you have to be then to be with the little girl? And right. just, you know, it's just, it's such a... It's such an evil character that I and I love her. By right. the way, as an evil woman, she plays it so well. I mean, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yes. Yeah. God, only God forgives. Love that. But so, she's gonna play. I, I'm curious to see what she does with that character. Sure. I would love to see her as a villain running this organization. I'm into a second know? one. I'm. Yeah. I, like again, I feel like this is the closest thing that we've gotten to a good video oh, game yeah. movie, and that begs the question, like. Right now, where we are with quote-unquote video game movies, I feel like that's enough. Like, I feel like a lot of the people, I feel like a lot of the critics are looking for that great video game movie. Like, they are looking for the Batman Begins. And when these movies come out, they're getting, I think, overly negative reviews because it's not on the level of Mm -hmm. what that was. When in reality, yeah. like, this is a perfectly fine film. It's a fun film. Mm-hmm. Sure, it has a few weaknesses. It's got some th- really thin characters. It takes a while to get going, but, you know, depending on if you're into that sort of thing or not. Um, and you, yeah, so what? Like, it's yeah. a good... It's, it's good. This is a good video game movie. Yeah. For me, the shortcomings were really that it felt a little bit redundant. And I feel like it... At least for me, I mean, obviously, of course, there were problems with it, but for me, the biggest one was mostly just it did kind of feel like um, the storyline was not that original. No. And I know we relate it back to Indiana Jones. It's, but I still feel like this is like the last crusade, essentially. It is. It it basically is. But I feel like you can kind of reinvent things still that have been done. So I I wish they would have been maybe a little bit more original with um, some of the you know more basic plot lines but to me that that was the main problem with the movie was that it, it felt like halfway through you're like I, I feel like i've seen this movie before right but i can't put my finger on it and right. you're like oh it's the holy grail it, you know you're thinking I, I think we talked about this when the ladder gets laid down you're thinking the penitent man can cry you yeah know? it was just like that exact scene so exactly. for me that was really the biggest shortcoming of the film is that there wasn't that much originality injected into the storyline. Which is tough yeah. with these movies because... It is. It is. They got to get over that hump, but they it's They got to get over the hump of like, what's going to make us... This is already a pale imitation of Indiana Jones. What mm-hmm. is going to make us different mm-hmm. that makes us look exactly. like we're not repeating everything? Exactly. Um, and it's hard to do. But again, I think this movie does a pretty decent job of doing it. I think it's a perfectly fun movie. It's a perfectly good action movie. Mm-hmm. Good adventure movie. Um, the Gr- score is a, so that's my other thing is the music. 
like I talked about the original Tomb Raider, the techno bullshit. Mm-hmm. Ugh. This one, we're getting there, but the guy who did the score is Junkie XL, who did the score for uh, Mad Max Fury mm. Road, a personal the favorite best, of yours yeah, and mine. The best and, movie. And his score in that film is so fucking good that like the best I've been listening to the score for this film and I'm just disappointed. Like there's no big themes. How do you, yeah? How do you come no... down off of though Fury Road? I mean that's right. that's that's climbing Mount Everest and then and then going to Camelback and then you know right. But that, I feel that's like that's that's a big thing that this film is missing is is music makes these movies as much as the the actors and the directors and the scenes and whatnot. And I just that was just one thing particularly that I noticed because um, I. Uh, create a Spotify playlist for every mm-hmm. year for movie scores, mm-hmm. and I grab the best tracks that I find, the ones that are just good. And there's a good, there's a couple of good tracks here, but there is nothing that is like something that I can hum, something that I can repeat in my head. There's no Indiana Jones theme. There's no hell. There's no Avengers theme. Yeah, you know, like I, it's yeah. just missing. She didn't that have thing. any. Yeah. She didn't I need have a Laura anything. Croft theme. Give yeah. me a Laura Croft. Like Wonder theme. Woman got one. Yeah, she that's got a great the, one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I think Junkie XL actually did. (laughs) Yeah, Um, maybe phone this one in the music. I don't know. I mean, yeah, and and so I don't want to like bang on him at all. Um, But uh, but yeah, I was just kind of like, eh, that's 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 okay. But yeah, see, he did do that one. He did. Oh wow, yeah. Donna Justice score. He did. Mad Max Fury Road is such a good score. It's like the best. Like I said, you can't. It's yeah. hard to. You can't. When you do your best, it's it's really gonna be hard to top that. Yeah, it really is. Um, but yeah, I think anything else. Anything else that you want to add about the film before we wrap it up here? Just definitely want to reiterate. You know, a female character does not need to have a love interest. Yeah. She did a great job. The best job without being. You know, I love that. You know, she had she had a very platonic relationship with her male counterpart that saw her as an equal no Uh one there was no kind of sexual undertones in the movie at all no kind of crude comments no blue humor everything was very well straight straightforward which she was treated as an equal and it was it's so refreshing to take it back to fury road same thing now what if let me not to interrupt you but let let me throw a curveball at you what if she was given a male love interest but that male love interest was like Willie Scott in Temple of Doom. Just like totally fucking incapable. Like Chris Hemsworth and just like a tank top? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's make him eye candy. And let's make him like um, like just... one of her banker friends from, I don't know, from England. Like let's say it's just a dude who's I, completely out of his element. It's not that I have an issue with making a female character, a strong character, have a male you know, interest. Sure. It's that when they make that their entire archetype, which okay. is my problem with Wonder Woman, whereas I, I felt like he played too much of a role in who she was. Okay. Whereas like a character like this, we already see her develop without this male sure. character. So if she has a love interest in the second one, which I'm very excited to see the second one, it, she's already developed. You know, sure. he's not part of, you know, it's not like a Twilight movie where right. we're looking at just her. She's only growing because of a man. Again, it's like Indiana yeah. Jones. like. She came in after he was already exactly. who he was. So exactly, I, I would be comfortable. They gave her this movie, so if there's a man that gets introduced, I wouldn't be shocked. But she eh, doesn't need it. She doesn't need She's it. She's a Furiosa. She doesn't. I'm need just, it. I just like poking, you know, pressing your buttons and seeing what. <laughs> that doesn't. It would make me mad if she had one in this movie. Sure. It would have. It would have really bumped me out if she kissed that guy at the end or sure. something, just to undermine the whole thing of that he saw her as just a colleague. Yeah. And I think what movies like this do is it's trying to remind you is that you can see a beautiful woman and just see her as a woman mm-hmm. that's capable, 
without thinking sexually. Well, I also which like. Which is hard to. I feel like that's going to be the hardest thing for male audiences. Well, there was literally some fucking guy on Twitter. <laughs> Who was about like, the boob size? Do exactly. I have to be the guy who yeah. mentions her tits? And I'm like, you are you fucking kidding? Yeah, you don't have to be now, so and you I'm, choose to be one. And I'm not saying that because I'm sitting across from you. I'm saying that because like I genuinely don't understand how that the is a defining characteristic for some people. It goes it goes back to the the male concept of what they used to you know, you talk about the nineties yeah, co- movies guess. that first came out. So I think that one of these games, and what I like to see these female characters, is what they're really doing is breaking that mold of sure. making male audiences look at a woman, not look at her breast size, right. look at her to say she's capable, she's you know smart, cunning, right. all these things, and just kind of peels away the level of sexuality. Right, and to the credit of the video games, um, the movie isn't the first one to do this. No, absolutely not. They did this in the video games. Like, literally, you go to the Laura Croft Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. and the, it's the new Tomb Raider game from all the way back in, like, 2013, I think, where they changed her appearance. They they yeah. essentially Toned it down. made her more athletic, They mm-hmm. less sexualized. They finally put her in fucking pants because yeah. that's what you go into the jungle wearing. Right, pants. exactly. Um so yeah, I it's it's and I'm not I'm, saying I'm yeah. see another one. And I'm not saying they got a pulled away. I mean, Indiana Jones, he still had his shirt, you know, a little unbuttoned. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it, fine. It's just it, it when it's over the top, and that's right. It, what's it's it seems like it's just a male fantasy rather well, than a character. Well, when it becomes the character, like literally for decades, Laura Croft's rack was her character, and that's I know. ridiculous. That's, that's and now, like I I am into this movie. I would definitely go see another adventure. Good, me too. I'm cool. excited for the second one. Cool. And hopefully it does – like, again, I don't know if it will hit 100 domestic, but it will do well enough worldwide, and it was a small enough budget. Like, mm-hmm. it was only, like, a $90 million budget, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's pretty good for the production. Uh, For, for the production, production value. value that it got. Like, it's already made its money back. And that's the trick, is being able to make these moderately budgeted, perfectly acceptable action films that come out mid-March. Mm-hmm. There's a place in the world for them, and I'll yeah, be there. There's a place for female, female strong characters. Hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Jessica, thank you so much for being on here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As always. Um, before we wrap up, though, as always, we want to tell everybody we want you to be a part of the conversation. We want you to be a part of the Popcorn Diet community. So follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Uh, go to popcorndietpodcast.com to find all of our reviews, all of our episodes. And then wherever you're listening to us, whether it be iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever, do us a favor. Just literally take five seconds out of your day throw up five stars write us a quick little review share us on one of those social media things we want to build the community up uh it gets more people involved and it's a fun community to be a part of but other than that that's going to wrap it up for this episode we're going to see you next time with another good movie the the spring summer season is upon us and we'll see you next time with the next big movie on the popcorn diet adios